Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Analysis Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with who's my co-host Robert. Hello. And we are back. Even if not every tournament is even done yet, we are here reporting live. So just riding along with all the news that we have currently on the, the Sunday, October 1st. Uh, lots to get to. We have several large events, including some news for uh, English that is your, uh, those who live in England, the tournament circuit there just grew by almost 50%. And of course, uh, a little codex just uh, maybe yeah, up to pre-order right about now. Might have a slight effect on the meta. <laughs> sir, sir, it's not a little codex. It's very much a boulder inside of a little pond. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're talking about, of course, is the infamous Space Marines. They're finally, yeah. Uh, they got their book. It's you know, of course with every new edition change, Space Marines usually on the first two out of the gates. So here we go. And um, interesting enough, it's keeping themed how they've actually promised. So if you saw the Tyranid Codex, it gives you a lot more options, but it doesn't really. Basically, what we've seen from Space Marines so far is what at least the folks over at Goonhammer feel is going to continue. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that we'll get into in a little more detail. To be honest, a lot of this came out over the last 24 hours. So Robert and I are doing our best to kind of sift through all the information and find out what we can ascertain about what it is that's in this codex. AKA, it's mostly been Eric because of the fact that I have custodes. I don't need little piddly space marine ceramide armor. I look at it as, even in the best of times, worst of times, you are guaranteed to play at least one Marine player at a, at a six-person tournament, so you may want to take a look. So. Eh, yeah, you got a point there, um, which is actually really funny. On Saturday, I played a little 500-point game for an Escalation League that's going on at a local store here, and yeah, it was the first time I ever got to feel the devastating wound change because a Black Templar Marshal bonked two custodians on the head. Who? Oh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yep, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to get a, a feel of some of those changes there. And they get now we have a new codex. So right off the bat, I was a little surprised by a two-week uh, pre-order, which I thought was rather odd. So there's all kinds of thoughts in terms of why exactly Game Workshop is doing that and what's going on with all that. Well. I know the first time that I ever saw a two-week pre-order window was when they redid Sisters in the tail end of 8th edition, and then right into 9th edition. Right. So it was a, it was a very like, hmm, okay, <laughs> two-week window, and then their book was immediately changed. So it was just kind of sad day. Yeah, it was hard to figure that out. I just, I don't know. Maybe this is a, a cleaner way to make sure everybody gets it. Maybe it's a way to get around um, allocation. And those of you not familiar with allocation, that's the whole, uh, I'd like to order 20 copies, please. You get five. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, may it, help with that. Yeah. It also gives them time to go, all right. I think producing 300,000 units for the new Space Marine stuff will have enough to cover the launch weekend. We can start producing other things. 
It's possible. I don't know. I mean, it is a very popular army, and um, it's also one of those armies uh, you're not going to see that much of a hobby lag. I mean, there's a few new units, but let's be honest, that most players, if they play Space Marines, have the units that they need lying around, and likewise, a lot of people already have a Space Marine army, so even if I'm not playing Space Marines, my buddy might, so they can get the units I need, so... Yep. But I'm not going to complain about it too much because Space Marines are the poster children of the game. If they can't have a whole bunch of cool, fun toys, then it's not exactly Warhammer 40k, is it? No, and I'm also not here to tell you, okay, your, this army needs to be downgraded or whatnot. I think, I mean, that's kind of what we're all looking for is the any given game should have a chance. So if every codex is indeed balance they all should be able to do what the, the fluff says and i think it's interesting the way they've set up this codex that you can kind of do what you want to do mm-hmm. based on what you've read and it still be competitive so let's dive into our well dive it we'll, we'll skim the surface of this to kind of get you because the first thing that came to mind was how are they going to do this without chapter tactics that was always the big burn last year or last year last edition i should say was what was better, you know, Ultramarine Stink, this particular uh, chapter is better, so everybody took Iron Hands, and then that got nerfed, and then everybody switched to something else. Now it's, you, as we've seen before with the Tyranids, you choose a detachment that determines your playstyle. Now, if you are playing Ultramarines and or whatever chapter, or your homegrown chapter, it doesn't matter. It's That's how you want to play them. You found the detachment that works best for you. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, they are all fairly balanced from what I'm reading here. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some outliers here and there, maybe a unit that I didn't see. But just on the, the cursory surface, there isn't like, you would never take that. That's stupid. So, Yeah, it's kind of the idea when people were looking at the Tyranid book. Obviously, the three detachments that people are really hyped up on right now are vanguard synaptic nexus and then the classic invasion fleet because that's what people feel is are the three better performing detachments there's no specific mention of which one is the best because every single one has their own kind of idea and also if you're an avid monster mash player and you're perfectly fine running 11 models on the table then you could totally be adept at playing Crusher Stampede. Sure, you maybe go four and two in an event, but hey, you're having fun playing big monsters on the table. What's the detachment? It's looting me. It's the feeder one. It's a, it's a, that's one. Yeah, it, it's good, but it's definitely not easy out of the box. That was going to take some practice. Yeah, like I've played one and a half games of Vanguard Onslaught. <laughs> And I can tell you the gameplay is super fun and super rewarding when I actually feel like I'm doing something right. Unless I'm playing into Knights on Purge the Foe. And then Knights just kind of go, hey, look, bug. <laughs> right. So, so anyway, it's uh, Space Marines are very much similar to that. So I'll be curious to see if this trend continues with each codex because that's always the... There's always a random cliff we always run into that they We've decided to change the design philosophy mid-edition, and now here's our new codex. But we're not there yet, so 
So the Gladys Task Force is um, the one that comes that we've all known and loved. That's your um, typical what we've been playing all along with combat doctrines. So pretty much unchanged at this point, with the exception of Oath of Moment. Of course, Oath of Moment is across all the detachments, and it's already been talked about. I think we talked about it on this show twice already, but just in case we didn't keep up on it, uh, Oath of Moment now allows you to re-roll all two hits of a chosen foe, but if they took away the re-roll to wounds. But um, don't, don't snooze. Uh, there's <laughs> there's plenty of opportunities to re-roll wounds in this book. <laughs> Yep, I was chatting with Eric a little bit before we started recording. <laughs> hey, guess what? You put a lieutenant on the table, you get rerolls of ones to wound across the table, yay, or something like that. Yeah, exactly, and he's a lone operative too, so he doesn't have to join a unit. It's it's there's plenty of stuff out there. Uh, the Angel Seas Force is kind of your gunline version. Makes all your weapons heavy. And if you already have the heavy keyword, you get plus one to wound if you remain stationary. So kind of nice there. Uh, the go ahead. Uh, it was the the Angel Siege Force is that of Iron Hands and Imperial Fists with a heavy tank gun line is kind of the theme that you could chase after with that pretty easy. Well, it's definitely Imperial Fist, but interesting. Iron Hands can also dip into the Iron Storm Spearhead. Which is inspired by uh, has a lot more to do with vehicles, so very focused on supporting vehicles and tech marines. So that's another way to look at it. But it could be your choice. You can go back and forth. You're not told Iron Hands have to play this one detachment. So run with it. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that is the Firestorm Assault Force. So this one is was spoiled in an article from GW a little bit ago. This one is very much the yeah. This is meant to be salamanders, but let's just say you have a whole bunch of flamers and stuff in your units. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, Stormlands Tax Force. So this is your uh, advance and fallback. Um, you, you can still charge after doing so, but also has a lot of things specifically for mounted units. So this is one a couple people are keeping an eye on. It's obviously designed to help your White Scars players. But there's nothing stopping a Space Wolf player, which is a non-compliant chapter, to use this as well with the Thunderwolf Calf. So it's Mm -hmm. like, like I that might tip it. Yeah, like I'm reading the the one sentence here from the Goonham article talking about the Ride Hard, Ride Fast enhancement, where it's a minus one to hit and wound for a mounted character. Thanks. Yeah, that's going to be rough. And then after that is the Vanguard Spearhead. So the the super sneaky, stealthy boys, a.k.a. Raven Guard. Yeah, this one was initially would be the one I would gravitate towards. But interesting reading it. Um, there's it's It definitely favors the Phobos units, but it's also the synergy isn't quite as good. So because they a lot of them already have infiltration and scout moves, so they're going to get within 12 inches. So I was like, oh, that could be a problem. But then I read some of their stratagems and I went, ooh, those are kind of cool. Very Alpha Legion feely. Mm-hmm. So. so that's the thing I'm feeling with some of these detachments in general. The detachment itself, the rule doesn't seem super great. It's once you get into the nitty gritty of how to apply it is where you start getting like the, oh man, this is really, really good. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it's uh, I'd, I'd be honest, I kind of skipped over some of the enhancements because that's usually, especially with the new point system, it's kind of usually like the last thing I put into an army. Mm-hmm. Usually, where in the past it was like, especially talking about Iron Hands, it was the Gorgon Chain. Of course, you took that. That was an auto take. You put that on one of your commanders and he was an unkillable on bike. Now it's like, eh, I, mm-hmm. I might take one. Yeah, and then the the last detachment I think is the first company task force. Yeah, surprised by this one. Yeah, which normally when you hear first company, you think Terminators, you think Stern Guard, anything with veteran in the name. <laughs> yeah, but this could be again if you um, not only can you take it with all the new Terminator models you may have bought, but uh, I'd be curious to see if you took like a Deathwing. Uh, Dark Angels Force use it in this detachment. Yep. And then also there's some other changes, like they're changing some of the data sheets and whatnot, but those are all very specific things for like the command squad and the assault intercessors with the jump packs. So like they're changing a lot of stuff for this book which is something that we expected to see because if they didn't change stats on stuff for a new book, then we might as well just keep playing with the normal cards. <laughs> right. Now there is, uh, the other key thing is I, I'm still trying to get a full list of what units are no longer in the codex, but yes, a lot of units got moved to legends. So mostly paring down the, amount of data slates so i think that might help but it's always frustrating like what i have models and now i can't use them uh the most confusing one for me is the space brain scouts they were legended then we're coming out with new models and now they're back in the codex but you can only take a, a sniper riper one for every five models in the unit so the days of a full sniper squad scout unit are long gone mm-hmm. so sorry if you got those I, i'm trying to think I inherited a Space Marine army not that long ago, and I have to take a look. I think that's the situation I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I I remember the when I the one time I built Imperial Fists, it was oh here's my super cheap unit of sniper scouts. Wow, they don't do anything. So if I had that unit, I'd be like, well, <laughs> uh, that unit is completely illegal. <laughs> I can't do anything with it. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those trying to figure all these out. Uh, I, yeah, as you can time tell, Robert and I are not native Space Marine players, so it's kind of going through this a little bit. Um, it's a little bit too, but there's no obvious choices there jumping out as it gets, but um, give us some time. We have, I guess, two weeks before this hits the hits into the wild, so uh, kind of read through it and kind of get some ideas what some of the other players and experts in the field are working with, but... Um, Overall, I'm intrigued because the first thing I don't see is the cards are, you know, the army doesn't change completely. If you've already been playing the index and you've already kind of stomached the changes from 9th to 10th edition of how your army plays, it's not going to be totally different when the codex comes out. I think that's that feels good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep saying this. If I were to play Space Marines, I would go back to playing Imperial Fists because I don't want to paint yellow. 
I'll make myself paint yellow and I'll never repaint them again. <laughs> Good point. I always want to do blood. Here's another example. Like I always want to do blood ravens and, um, but there was one of those things where, okay, they were not in a lot of the previous space brain codices and then, or you could make your own chapter. And then there were, I think one edition, they were in a white dwarf and I was like, well, what do they do? And then the last edition was even worse. They were just like, yeah, here's a quick throwaway line in, in Forge World. Uh, they're ultramarines. I'm like, what? <laughs> so now you can kind of play them how you want to play them. So I'm like, like okay, cool. Yeah. I just know for me, it, it would be like, oh, here's my bunch of intercessors with heavy bolters if I can find them. Bang, 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 bang. Robert, you're behind by 45 points on primary. I'm tabling them. I don't care. Bang, 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 yeah. bang, 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 bang. I will catch up in later rounds when they're all dead. <laughs> so, anyway, so yeah, a lot more to come on this. So this is kind of our cursory look at it. Like I said, we've got a couple of weeks to kind of dive into this and find out what else there is in the Space Ring Codex. But, um, okay, based off of what we've seen now, we've seen two codices in 10th edition. We've kind of seen the rollout. Thinking of the armies you do play, Robert, what, what do you expect to see for your upcoming armies? Well, since I already looked at the Tyranids one and I was super excited at the fact that here's your six flavor of Tyranids, they're each very different feeling. So, oh, here's your six or seven Space Marine detachments. They're all very different flavors. All right, cool. I would generally expect the trend to continue that if your army has some form of diversification between heavy armored company, highly mobile, a melee unit, like something along that lines where it skews you into an idea, expect a detachment that kind of pairs into that idea. Now, for things like Tau, that might be a little bit hard because it'll be like, oh, here's your crisis suit detachment. Here's your tank detachment. And then what else after that? Farsight Enclave? Melee Tau? What are we going to do about it? Yeah, the Tau one's interesting you brought up, because the first thing, obviously, uh, they have the two strike forces, you know, the Cayenne, which is the you know, the Patient Hunter versus the Swift Strike guys, and we have, we've only seen the Patient Hunter so far, so obviously the Swift Strike will be next. But then you're, you're right, what's after that? Because the... Um, I'm blanking the name, the, not spheres, what are they called? Anyway, the, the chapter tactics for Tau, I can't think of the name of it. Like, there was mm -hmm. the one group that had all the uh, high-tech weaponry, like, they had all the experimental weapons and stuff. I don't see that flowing over to a detachment. I can't imagine a, I'm trying to remember how they did it in Armageddon. I don't remember Tau having tank detachments, per se, but they did have some armored groups, and... I could definitely see yeah, a Farsight-themed uh, group as well. Mm -hmm. So that could be interesting, but I don't know how that'd be different other than it's just Crisis Suit buffs with stratagems. I'm not sure. That's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, a really easy one, though, would it's obviously Orcs, because Orcs, you have the six different clans that exist. So yeah. it's really easy you have one detachment that moves faster. You have one detachment that gets to do a whole bunch of rerolls because they're lucky. Then you have 
the Vanguard detachment because they're all purple. <laughs> like, all of that stuff. I can see that. Yeah, definitely. You got, you got your truck, you know, Speed Boy, you know, Speed Freaks type thing. It's all, all the vehicles get buffs, that sort of thing. Uh, the Goths, it's kind of a focus on kind of be like the Terminator version of the elites get more attention. That that should be an easy one. I'm also thinking for Eldari because there's still the big, you know, there's still a lot of backlash against them. And what are they going to be look like post Codex? And even like Craft World, the Craft World, okay, you got the speedy ones with uh, Sam Hain. You could have like an infantry buffer with all the, um, is blanked on it. The not BLTN. Yeah, BLTN, BLTN one. Yeah, because um, I remember I'm them sure by the, colors. So yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an Anari one that's you know, specific, or maybe there isn't. That's the whole point. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how mm-hmm. they balance that out. Um, yeah, because generally, with the idea of Crusher Stampede being around in Tyranids, if your army has something equivalent to a monster mash list there's probably going to be a detachment for it. So in the case of Eldar, it'd be Eandon. And all right, your Wraith characters get crazy buffs. Your Wraith Guard and Wraith Blade units are just super wacky. But you're playing a much smaller army. Sure, you're durable, but you're fairly slow. Right. So I for Jakari, I am completely... At first, it was easy. Then I realized, how are you going to get six? I can think of three. <laughs> I can't think of six. Well, so. at that point, you go one pure Kabbalite, one pure Witch, one pure Homunculi. Then you go real Space Raiders for four. So like a combined force. Right. Which is what um, we have now. Then you have... Like you pull like this really weird court of the archon idea where it's like hero hammer and you turn your archons into like literally monsters. Um and then there's like the pirate detachment where you're incentivized to bring corsairs. Like they allow you to take it as an allied unit or something. Uh, that's not a bad idea. I didn't think of the Corsair one. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the witch one would just be like a redo of um Cold of Strife. From ninth edition. Yeah, they'll probably that touch is... on the three main ones. So Blackheart, um, Crimson Strife, and then which one's the main homunculus one? Um what is Urian? Um what is he? Oh my god, I got the Luke Luke membership card. What is he now? Cult- uh... It's not the Flayed Skull. No. I- no, it's not poison no, no. tongue. Oh, that's a cabal. Oh my god, let me see that. <laughs> <laughs> that moment wow. where we don't remember Yuri and Radcarth what he belongs to. Because <laughs> really what's happening I've seen so far in the indexes is they took two they took two abilities and combined them into one. Because like yeah. there was the, the fearmonger coven. And these guys that are really good at stitching people back together kind of combine them into one. So where it used to be, okay, you got one or the other, you had to pick your homunculus appropriately. Mm-hmm. Now it was like, nope, you can, they, they got like two abilities. Like um, the Flight Skull, their big thing was the movement and they're really good with the vehicles. And then Cult of the Poison Tongue, their big thing was they got the better poison weapons. Well, that got like army wide. 
became everybody think, went from poison four to poison three plus mm-hmm. and anti-infantry three plus i should say so that kind of got across the board but we still didn't get our version of phantasm true so i don't know so i don't know how that's all going to change um well we have five more books in this first part of the release schedule that they talked about so we get to see what happens to necrons happens to admech orc tau and custodes i'm terrified of what they're going to do to my custodes because we're the last book (laughs) on that schedule well yeah at least you're on the schedule (laughs) hey hey it's just because we shoved our cone heads all the way up in line because we said we were special. Indeed. But yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So mm-hmm. yeah, still trying to get a, a, my head around exactly what to expect with other books. But anyway, let's uh, focus on the current. And that is a very busy weekend here in tournament land. Uh, our second full weekend of post data slate land. And we're starting to see some trends. Probably the, the biggest event of the weekend I can't tell you about it because it's top secret because it's not done yet. That's right, folks. Yeah, that it's it's a funny conundrum of we pulled the trigger a little too soon because, hey, event should be over, should be done with by Sunday, right? Nope, nope, nope. We're wrong. The the London GT. So the big super major that happens over in the UK towards the fall is still currently going on. And they cut to a top eight. And their top eight looks something like this. It is Nassim Fushan, Manny Chima, Aiden Brocklehurst, Guillaume Dussesos. I butchered that last name super hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we have Hugo Ricciardi, Vic Vijay, Liam Wiesel, and Oliver Weiss. And I counted them earlier. There is two normal Marines, two Chaos Space Marines, and then the rest are all Eldar. So they will be fighting it off uh, tomorrow, which would be Monday, to, to determine the winner of the event. So we'll see what happens there. But um, interesting. Yeah, kind of mix of who's who. Uh, my eyes at this point, not so much to win, but just to see how they do is Olivier's list. He, uh, you may recognize that name when he went to WTC a few months ago, brought a very unique Black Templar list. So he was already teching into the Space Marines in unusual ways. So I'm curious to see what he does. Manichima, of course, doesn't disappoint. This is the band last time we saw him. Uh, brought 5 billion racks in a Trukari unit. Uh, he decided to double down on that idea, this time taking all uh, Chaos Cultists. Yeah, it's to to read it through. It's probably the simplest list ever. Abaddon, three dark communes, three blobs of cultists, and then more blobs of occult, accursed cultists. Two forge fiends, a couple of warp talons, and then a random squiggly blue scribe in the corner. So, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So very cool. Very neat to see this um, very interesting event. Probably the big announcement though. They've already had a lot of their other prizes awarded, such as Best Painted, and they also do a similar uh, pod system that uh, Nova does, so they awarded those as well. 
But uh, as we talked about throughout the year, that there are several large events within England that are tied into this network of, so for example, the Manchester GT, the Leicester, Lister, oh, I can't get that word out, Leicester City G, uh, GT, all the kind of lead to this being the finale of the season for their uh, circuit. Uh, they're, they're expanding, believe it or not. They're going from 13 events annually to 18 events in 2024. Yep, circuits are an amazing thing. So I just look at that and go, what? Um, it's almost to the point where, I mean, think about it, GW, US Opens, plus Frontline Gaming doesn't even add up to 13, much less 18. So it's almost like they have their own circuit. I mean, you could literally just go to these LGT events one after the other. So it's just like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I I really wish I could do those kinds of things because I know here in the US, like the Lord Marshall series the Lord Marshall series. Wow, that's actually really hard to say really fast. Anyway. <laughs> the that series has been around for a while and it's a good way for people in the Midwest to kind of get recognized but at the same time that's over a whole bunch of states that are probably twice the size of uk i have yeah it's one of those things i i want to get a chance to do just exactly how big, big like take an example the lord marshall series there's another one in the new england area as well and just how much travel do they do versus traveling throughout england and um because that's one of the key things that makes the English meta so different is that the names rattled off there in the um, cutoff, the names we talk about in every tournament. So mm-hmm. the David Gaynards, the Vic Vijays, the Manny Chimas, they know they're going to have to play one of each other to win a tournament on any given Sunday. And that's, that's an interesting standpoint, whereas here in the States, the Ben Sherwins may never play a junior flaky simply because one's in the Midwest and one's in California. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, um, you know, you got like an Anthony Finella who's on the East Coast may never play uh, Dan Oliver's uh, here in Arizona. So it's just one of those, and all of them will rack up huge point totals you know, as they win their respective tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to the classic chase for LVO at the end of the season. So, but again, that's also kind of the fun is you aren't playing against these big Titans until the, the end of the series. Whereas over in the UK and other little more dense populations, I'm pretty sure Manny and Nassim will go, Oh, Hey Manny, how'd you do your event last weekend? Oh, I, I, I won it last time. Oh, did you change anything from your list then? Nope. <laughs> All right, I need to redeem myself. Urian's part of the prophets of flesh, brother. That's the one I knew it was something, something flesh. And it's the Dark Creed. You're the ones that cause all the um, leadership buffs. And then, of course, the Coven of Twelve is the ones that had all the crazy um, re-rolls. That's, that's, that's the one Manny took with all his... Um, racks. Racks, yeah. He <laughs> rolls to wounds or something like that. He had, like, what, 180 racks or something? 
six max out units. So yeah, 120, something like that. That's wild. Yeah. So we're going to come on back to, to the U S a little bit here and talk about events that have actually finished. (laughs) What? (laughs) So where are we heading first? Well, I think we are going to start down in Florida. This event was won by an alligator. It was the greatest play ever. He brought a Warhound Titan, won every single game, 101 to 0. I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> no, no, absolutely it was not. It was the Crucible 2023 major event. And this one had a solid 82 player sign up. Yeah, of course, in Florida, one would expect, and they did come out in force. The good folks from Art of War. Yep. Um, so the the top five for this event are something along the lines of this: is John Sweet with Black Templars. FYI, he's the only non Art of War member in the top five. In fourth place, we have Nick Natavati with Black Legion. In third place, we have Quentin Johnson with Eldar. In second place is Jack Harpster with Black Templars, and in first place is John Lennon with Tyranids. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Siegler finishing seventh. He just uh, one of his lap back in the house at this point. <laughs> yep, but it was a noticeable thing of when you look at the armies that they brought. It's very on brand for what army they would play, except for maybe Nick. Nick kind of has a bias for Eldar, if I think correctly, and he That's showed right. up with um, Black Legion. That's a bit of a shock. Like usually, he's been talking up his genes to their cult for quite some time. So all of a sudden, it's like what? <laughs> well, I mean, but, with uh, the with the nerf bat that they got, I can understand why he would move away from them. But yeah, like Siegler is back on Tau. John is back with his Tyranids. I've I don't remember Harpster that well, so I don't know if he's a big Templars fan or not. But it, it seems like an army that he would play off the cuff and do really well with. Yeah. So in this case, we've seen so far a, I believe it was a invasion fleet or an assimilator swarm won another event with Tyrids, And now we get to see a synaptic nexus, which I think is the one that most people are going to gravitate towards now because of the flexibility that it has compared to other ones. Okay. Because Vanguard Onslaught is cool, and given that you can make it work, it's super rewarding. But from what I've been seeing and comparing everything, the Synaptic Nexus, you just get to have all kinds of defensive capabilities, offensive stuff, Looking at his, he has double Maliceptor, three Neural Lictors, uh, a total of nine Zonethropes, and three Exocrines. So all that's going to sit within Synapse range and it's all going to get the buffs of the Detachment. Interesting. So get in the way of stacking things up. I didn't think of that. Okay. Yeah, I've... In my last game, I tried that kind of idea where I ended up bringing a Tyrannifex double Exocrine and a Hive Tyrant. And 
okay, in Vanguard Onslaught, it didn't feel good. But this would probably work well in something else. Hmm. So I think all of the super spooky bugs that I got are now going to go into the pile of shame. <laughs> I don't know yet. But yes, congratulations to John winning with his nids. We get to see if their splash can survive the space marine boulder that is dropping in the lake. Yeah, we'll see how that all works together. I'm also curious to see what he does, you know, what changes they make and all that. But um, yeah, still leaders of the pack at this point, and able to sweep that particular event. Mm -hmm. And then I think we're gonna kind of stay. In... No, we're going to Alabama. Uh, we're going to come the apocalypse. This one had 32 players show up, so they filled up to their own capacity for five rounds. And their top five looked something like this. We have Mark Perry with Chaos Space Marines. In fourth place, we have Cliff Nelson with Black Templars. In third place is Carter Leach with Demons. In second place I is... I where he was, because I'm surprised he wasn't at Crucible. Cool. Mm. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I'm guessing Carter is a familiar name for those of us who actually know who he is. Carter Leach, back in 6th and 7th edition, carved a name for himself. He actually played a full-on Corsairs list. And, ah. Uh, actually using the rules right out of White Dwarf. And for those of you who don't remember those crazy rules, the short version was they had kind of a, oh, I charge you, they could fall back before you made contact with them. So they could bait you into making charges you didn't want to make. But the... Bad news, they had some sort of weird leadership debuff thing to themselves. So if they took leadership tests, they just like crumbled real fast. So it was a very much a high risk, high reward army. And he was like the king of Florida. And it was between him and Lawrence Baker that year at um, LVO to see who could be who could master that list the best. Ah, that does make a lot of sense why I wouldn't know who he is. Because I never saw that Corsairs list. Yeah, it's pretty well. So, to continue on, in second place is Charles Barber. He will not cut your hair because he's playing Tyranids. He will just eat your entire head. <laughs> cut your head off. <laughs> exactly. And only losing it out to Daniel Hester's with Eldar. Very nice. So, curious what Mr. Charles brought. So Charles did, in fact, bring the invasion fleet, so the generic detachment. And he had Death Leaper, Old One-Eye, and a Winged Prime. So he brought the cheapest HQ that you could find, along with the biggest and baddest Carnifex and Batman the Bug, some Gargoyles, a single Biovore, because it's a mandatory 75 points, one pair of Carnifexes, a couple of Exocrines, Three Harusfexes, a Maliceptor, three Neuroelectors, a Brick of Pyrovores, and then two Bricks of Raveners, and two Ripper Swarms. Yeah, that's a list that can definitely benefit from going, hmm, I want Lethal Hits this time, or I want this, or I want that. Because those Harusfexes get, like get like 14 to 18 attacks or something like that. It's crazy. Wow. 
Yeah. All right. Still, still, can't, still can't get used to the uh, Ripper Swarm speed unit, you know, one model units. Still can't get used to that. <laughs> yeah. It's a, here's my half dollar size unit. Wait, what do you mean by half dollar? Oh, it's literally, it's literally a 40 millimeter base, dude. <laughs> exactly. Oh, very strange. But anyway. Yeah. And then I think we're going to bounce all the way up to Canada. Canada. Go visit Goonhammer. Yeah, it's kind of a who's who of their writers actually winning this particular event. Yep, so the Goonhammer Open had a resounding 40-player show up. And their top five is very much something like this. We have Eric Singer with Blood Angels. We have Kyle Thomas with Death Watch. Justin Signer de la Rome. Hopefully I said the second half of his last name right. With Death Guard. In second place, we have James Kelling with Eldar. And in first place is Logan Intonation with Tau. I'm glad you tackled that one. Yeah, I saw that too. I no idea how to pronounce that one. But... Yeah, Tau's going to think it's going to be one of that sneaky codex or uh, index at this point that's going to benefit from the new point values. There's a lot of stuff in that code in that index now. You're going to see a lot more. I think more Tau players do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, looking at it right now, he actually brought Long Strike because Long Strike's 140 points, and then he's still able to fit two Breacher teams, two Stealth Assist units, two things of Sting Wings, and that's all the chaff. And that's a Ghost Keel, two Hammerheads, some Piranhas, two Riptides, a unit of Tetras, and then two Devilfish. <laughs> And I think what I understand is the big difference is, is that he probably only takes like maybe he doesn't bring the devil fish or maybe there's one unit less, you know, the heavy hitter stuff. It's, it's now he gets a little bit more toys to get on the table. So. Yeah, because the um, so in total he has four piranhas on the table because it's two units of one and one unit of two. So if he wanted to, he would have to shave. He'd have to give up probably a piranha squad or mm. give up something else to squeeze in the second unit of tetras which is what you usually see people running around with so that way you get extra rerolls when they're guiding a unit but at the same time having a single unit of tetras means you can hide them much much better yeah for those who don't know tetra is the um it's a forgeable unit and it has like a Markerlite, basically bomb for lack of a better term. It just it can scan multiple targets for Markerlites. I'm not sure how it works in tenth anymore, but that's what it did in the past. Um, when Tetras are guiding a unit, that unit ha- can re-roll either ones to hit or ones to wound against the spotted target. Wow. Okay. And that it's unit is only point. 80 points. Yeah. And they're small little speeders. They die pretty quick. But <laughs> it's one less. It's, it's like one of those things where I have to shoot those or I should actually shoot the price of suits. I don't know what to do. That's actually what I just realized. Logan didn't have any crisis suits in his list. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he had hammerheads. He had ghost keels. And he had riptides. He had no mm. crisis suits. 
Okay. Interesting. It's the kind of tower that I would play because I would I would want to play triple riptide, but that's just me. I really like the idea of going wide with ghost keels and stealths. Mm-hmm. Just being that sneaky army around the edges, because I really like, especially the when they upgraded the uh, stealth suits. Now that they can get like a fusion blasters as well as first cannons, I was like, oh, those are cool. But um, I have a feeling that this doesn't have the staying power to withstand uh, the game for five turns. But I don't now, know. I wouldn't know either because I don't own Tau, and I'm going to try and be a good boy and not own Tau soon. So. Now we're going yes. to go to Maryland. Maryland? Yeah, this one kind of threw me through a loop because they have two events with the same exact name, except for the fact that one has a capital F in four and one does not. <laughs> so we'll, we're going to read the singles event because that one makes a lot more sense to me. It has a nice healthy 42 players. And the top five is along the lines of Ken Knox with Death Watch, then Wallace O'Donnell with Death Guard, Adam Mackamer with Space Wolves, Mark Hurdle with Ultramarines, and then Larry Oliver with Tyranids. So looking at this, they have four undefeated folks. So I'm not sure what is going on. I guess. How many rounds was it? Was it 25? Uh, yeah. So it was five for that one. And then the other one continues over and references team placings along with players placing. So players, Larry Oliver plays another four rounds, still coming in first place. And then... It's Daniel Moscato in second place, also going undefeated. And then Mark Hurdle is in third place instead of second, going undefeated. And then Shane Watts is undefeated in fourth place in this event. I think it was a like a two or three day event or something. And they they broke it up weird. Like I just don't know. <laughs> Might be that um, I love that format. They haven't seen it in a while, though. Is the the double event where if you qualify, you go on on day two to keep playing as a top cut, whereas everyone else plays a second RTT the second day. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So if you're a mid table marauder type uh, player, the good news is you're going to get two. Uh, ITC scores for one weekend. You know, I went three and two twice, or, yep. or uh, actually, that used to be two and one twice. You know, that sort of thing. So Larry Oliver, yeah. So Larry Oliver's version of bugs is, in fact, the Vanguard onslaught. So in this single episode, we have listed off all three supposedly awesome high fleets of Tyranids, and it's a couple of Broodlords, Death Leaper. And then a Neuro Tyrant. The Neuro Tyrant makes sense because he's 105 points before any upgrades. And he just kind of floats in the back and doesn't really do anything. Uh, then it's one small unit of Gargoyles. The Biovore, a single Exocrine. Two Bricks of Gene Stealers. Three Lictors. Two Maliceptors. A Neuro Lictor. 
a Norn Assimilator. Oh, the new model's out. Look at that. Yep, and it's not the Emissary. Huh. This is the one without the the Involsate, right? Yeah, this is the one that um, gets extra inches to his charge if he successfully hits a vehicle or monster with his harpoons. And then it has like crazy high damage and like higher damage in melee. And his singular purpose can let you reroll wounds and stuff. So you can send him into a specific unit to just munch it for breakfast because you get Oath of Moment rerolls for him. Mm-hmm. But the other one is you just pick an objective and your assimilator or emissary is OC15 and has a five up field no pain on that objective. Interesting. And then he rounds out the last 70 points of his list with a single pyrovore and a couple of Rupert Swarms. Neat. Okay. So I think the main thing that when I look at my Vanguard list with this one, the main thing that I'm missing as a tool in the toolbox, the Maliceptors. The Maliceptors are probably the one bug that you have to be aware of at all times because they have like a six inch aura of minus one to hit. So if they follow around something like the Norna Simulator, they just kind of go, hey, yeah, guess what? Uh, you got into combat with this thing? Well, the Balance Scepter is within six inches of you. You have a minus one to hit the Norn, and then the Norn gets to hit you back. Hmm. And it's minus one shooting and close combat? Um, it's, it's a six-inch aura from the Malice Scepter, so it's really only useful in close combat. Interesting. Okay. I said that whether it was actually a full-on minus one or like a stealth ability. That's what I'm trying to figure out. No, it's a. It is just a innate minus one to hit. I'm going to double check to see if it applies to the enemy unit or if it's just minus one to hit everything within six inches of the Maliceptor. Because, yay, I bought the book. I use the code. I have quick access to thingies. But yes, the, the Maliceptor is probably one of the most important bugs ever. Okay, so yes, while within six inches of the Maliceptor, it does not care what kind of attack it is, it is minus one to hit. And if you're below half strength, you're also minus one to wound. Wow. That's harsh. Hmm. Yeah. And this is on a Toughness 11, 14 wound, uh, three up save model with a four up invul. Yep, this is why I want Maliceptors for my spooky bugs, because that would save my army a lot of headache from getting shot off the table. Yeah, or, okay. you know, hit off the table. That would make sense. Wow. Interesting. All right. So, that, yeah, think about how much innovation. It's been, what, three weeks, four weeks since we got the Tyrannic Codex? I would say, like, four weeks easy. Yeah. So imagine a month from now what the Space Marine Codex is going to bring. Oh my gosh. And hopefully by then we should be seeing what's what's next. It's Admech and Necrons, right? Or yep. Next. 
and I'm gonna flip my coin and say Necrons are first. Mm. It makes me wonder because you know how Death Guard got such a huge glow up in the data slate. I wonder if that's a different detachment. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe I don't know. It seems like such a radical change. I'm curious to see. And also be curious to see what Admet brings in terms of other detachments. Again, because everybody's not particularly thrilled about the um, rad bomb attacks, but I don't know. I'd like to see it actually in play. I've seen, especially now with the battle shock changes. Yeah, I've kind of accepted the fact that I'm not going to play the most effective list because I don't have the ability to chase down those models right away. But Vanguard Onslaught is definitely a fun detachment, and the next time I get to play you, Eric, you will be playing against my bugs, and you will understand the fun, because it's something that you would play. I would look forward to it, so I got a couple tricks up my sleeve as well. Finally fine-tuning my army as well, but in the meantime, let's talk to some people that have been fine-tuning the army. We didn't talk about this last week, but it is in time for the Exterminatus player rankings. As we've talked about before, we've started our own ranking system, specifically with only taking events that occurred while 10th edition was in play, and also events that were 54 players and larger. So we look at both players who have won events, and that gives you first rankings, and then the tiebreakers based on points if you fall in the top six of those particular events. So a quick shout out to a couple of folks that are just on the outsides. So that would be Zach Camo, Sean Reynolds, and Nick Jellico and Cody Drew. Uh, all of them have 10 points with Cody Drew having 12 points in two events. They would rank much higher in this point, but being they have not one event, there's a lot about, well, I'm not gonna about, let's tell us exactly. Gotta love. There are 26 players so far that have won one event that have not finished in the top six in any other event. So they are kind of blocking them from being into the top 10 at this point. The remaining seven, though, they've got a win under their belt and they've got more points to show for that. And then that looks like this. In seventh place, Brett Simon with 10 points, Josh Roberts of England fame uh, at 11 points. And I've not updated this based off of this weekend's action. I want to wait till the uh, London GT is finished and Josh Roberts is indeed in the London GT, I believe he just missed the uh, final cut along with Mike Porter. Stephen Crawley coming in at fifth with 13 points. Matthew Verdugoon with 15. Tim Dietlitz of Canada in 18 points, slightly just ahead of him on a tie break. Ben Cherwin, winner of the Flying Monkey uh, GT we talked about last week. And last but not least, the winner uh, with two events, uh, victories under his belt, and three events total. We finished second at Smite Club Open just a few months ago. Ben Jurek with 24 points. He is your top player uh, on the Exterminatus rankings for the week of October 1st. Yep, it's definitely shaping up to be a nice, healthy season for a lot of folks. And I honestly can't wait to play my Night Lancer, which has started to get color on it. Yay! I'm excited. I was... No, go ahead, Eric. No, I was excited the work you've done. So sorry to cut you off there, but uh, don't sell yourself short. Your your stuff looks awesome. Can't wait to play against it. Yeah, I mean, 
you're not going to like playing against it because I'm throwing a Lancer, a Rampager, a couple of carnivores, and two stalkers at you, and the brigands are sitting back home going, <laughs> we got 24 inch guns. <laughs> and which is the one that has the anti fly two gun? Um, none of them. Okay. That that's something that Ray used against me in our little game of Knights versus Custodes. And yes, it was absolutely hilarious when oh hey yeah no shoot my auto cannons at your clay's grav tank. Does it have a flight keyword? Sensor beep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He shot at McClea's guy tank, so he wounded the darn thing on twos. <laughs> Ouch. But I mean, it didn't have devastating wounds, and I was behind cover, so I still had two of armor saves against the autocannons. So yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's just like, God dang it, you're hitting me on twos and wounding me on twos. Stop it, Ray. Stop it. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, if you got a reroll, you'd be dangerous. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but no, that was still a fun game. And I can't wait to put the Lancer on the table and say, Yes, here's one tank shock and then free tank shock. And then I stab you for flat eight damage. Ew. I know if I like that. Your raiders aren't. No, that's for sure. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, that's that is basically it. Nothing else really going on. So, very big change already in the meta we've seen already. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some reverberations after the London GT, and see how other players adapt to what some of the top players have brought. Got some other stuff going on locally. Our, uh, I guess, the winter season for our league starts in two weeks, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you've decided what faction you're bringing at this point. I I'm gonna bring my knights again because okay. the lancer, since it's gonna be done, I'm gonna play it. Darn it. Makes sense to me. Uh, I'll probably stick with Chikari at this point. Picked up. Uh, some new models to replace some of my ones that got damaged pretty badly, including my god-awful uh, eBay rescue that was just like, wow, I got hosed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it looked a lot different than your pictures, bro. So anyway, that's been being replaced. Yep. But yeah, no, otherwise, it's been a pretty quiet week for the both of us, both of us I think. Yeah, so looking forward to changing that pretty soon. So um, got a couple things on the agenda, and we've got to keep you guys up to date throughout the week through our various social media channels. So in the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Exterminatus Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR Cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order 
they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.